0: And we are live from the Empire of Lies, a bastion of free speech and open discussion in the vast wasteland that is the Biden administration. I'm investigative journalist Lee Stranahan, and this is Back Backstory. Our producer Rod from Philly has put together another great show for us today. How you doing, Rod? I'm doing well, Lee. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. So let's talk about who's on the show. First hour, we've got Todd Bensman from the Center for Immigration Studies. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's correct. You know, Todd's uh, also he's going to talk about a report that uh, still hasn't been re- released, and I think it's going to be very interesting for everybody to hear.
0: And, and they're always great guests from the Center for Immigration Studies, cis.org. If you want to go read some of their stuff, because they really are an important think tank. They're the only think tanks. I, I've said before, I'll say it again. They're the only think tank that is explicitly against illegal immigration. and makes that their fundamental issue. And about raising some questions about immigration in general. Our country has got an immigration fetish, almost. Do you know what I'm saying, Rod? I don't mean it in a dirty way, but do you know what I'm getting
1: at? No one seems to question- yeah, go ahead. No, no, I, I 100% agree with you, Lee. They, they like that'd be the perfect summa, uh, summarization of this. They have a fetish to let in people we have no whereabouts of, we have no record, uh, and, and mostly men. Let's put it like that: uh, military age men that they're allowing in here. Not these, you know, not the children that they cry about. The that and the third. It's mostly men that they're allowing into this country.
0: And then in the second hour, we're gonna have Daniel Zar. Always like having Daniel on the show. Very bright guy. That's the show, and we're like your phone calls, as usual, 202-521-1320. This is The Backstory. So, Rod, there's a lot of headlines today about yesterday's election, and we're going to be talking to Danny about that. But briefly, it was a bad night for anti-Trumpers.
2: Would you agree?
1: One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Some of the rhinos got the boot as well. Um, you know, and the media wanted to spin it. I I don't know. You got the alerts just like I did. You know, the AP said uh, QAnon supporters and uh, election deniers or whatever, however they want to spin it, uh, where, you know, won, won their races yesterday, last night.
0: They, they might as well. Have, yes, I got those alerts and they might as well have just said a bunch of whoops, f- whoops. I, I did. I'm. That's the first time you heard me make a mistake. Right, Rod?
1: Yeah, that's the firstly. Lee. It's the first time.
0: It's the first first time you've ever heard me accidentally swear. Because I swear in real life a lot. And I don't do the show. Command Central, did you catch that? Thank you. Sorry about that. I won't repeat it because that makes it tough for you. But what I was going to say is the alert from AML said a bunch of dumb freaking hicks won. Am I right, Rod? I was a little more dirty when I said it the first time, but a bunch of dumb fricking hicks won. That's what their message was,
2: right? right?
1: Yeah, I'd agree with you, Lee. And, you know, sometimes that's why I got to have a pause before I have to say something because what what else can you say about this? You have to curse at the the stupidity of, of these people and how they make the other side look you know what i mean to make it seem like all republicans or anybody who ever supported trump is a racist and out of their mind
2: i think
0: i deserve some credit for not having sworn before this
1: i deserve something because no no for sure that's what i'm that's what i'm saying it takes me a, it takes me a second to reply to some of this stuff like let me just not curse so i just i just like it's the first time i've ever even on fault line so that's what 6 right. 7 years
0: Yeah, no, six six or seven years. I've never done it even accidentally. And let me say something else. We had a phone call yesterday, and someone called about my friend Andrew Breitbart making some accusations.
2: And you know me, I I never like that. That never goes over well with me, Rod. Right? Right, exactly, yeah. Because I know what actually happened. And uh, I...
0: I went off on the person a little bit. And, you know, I was talking to my girlfriend about it afterwards. Do you know what occurs to me? I get angry in an irritating way. Someone like Alex Jones, compare how angry I got on the show yesterday. On a scale of 1 to 10, where 10 is Alex Jones, how much did I get angry, Rod? Uh,
2: Seven.
1: Okay,
0: I'll say a seven. Yeah, I'd say I'd say about a seven, too. I think it's a fair, fair number. It wasn't over the top. It wasn't eleven or twelve past Alice Jones. But Alice Jones has made his career. I was talking to my girlfriend about this, and I said to her, because I think it is sometimes exciting. I don't like to act in an NPR way. You know, I, I like to have some emotion. So I like to say, well, I disagree with what you're saying about my friend Andrew Breitbart. Allow me to elucidate. I don't try to have that reaction. I try to let some emotion out. But I don't, you know, I almost hesitate. I, I, I do hesitate. You, you know how Alex sounds. When Alex loses it, he is throwing a
2: fit. You can see his veins. They pop out on his forehead, right? Yeah, 100%. Yes. And you know what? People seem to like it.
0: And people can deny liking it, but it hasn't hurt Alex's popularity. The fact that he freaks out has not hurt his
2: popularity. In fact, I'd argue it's contributed to it. What say you, Rod? Rod.
1: There's a famous clip of him and uh, we have we've had a guest as, on a guest here on the backstory HoTep Jesus just yelling, just getting you know just frustrated with the uh, the liberals in the state of our government that just went on like a uh, twenty second yell. <laughs> so, like you said, people do like it because that's how that's how uh, a good segment of America feels. They're frustrated. Uh, they feel like um, we're being betrayed. Uh, a lot of people throw away the throw around the word treason as far as we have a treasonous government right now. So, yeah, people feel very uh upset, and they like to hear other people upset like like yourself, like Alex Jones and so on.
0: but I think the way I do it is irritating i people don't dig it when I do it, and maybe- maybe I need to lose it more. Maybe I need to to get the Alice Bush or something like that i'm I'm not even trying to do it now by by the way, there was not a bad impression there was no impression I can do it if I choose to, but I don't like doing it because it would hurt my voice. And also the poor engineer having to ride the meteors on that. But actually, you give me a topic I want to talk about. uh, But let me first make a couple of housekeeping announcements for the show. First off, next Monday, we have
2: a federal holiday off. You're getting ready for Juneteenth weekend weekend. Rod, do you have any big Juneteenth plans? Uh, No, just to get, I guess, a
1: little more sleep, I guess. That's about it.
0: And and do you know when Juneteenth is?
1: Sunday, right? It's Sunday the 19th.
0: That's right. It's Sunday the 19th. But because it's Sunday and it's a federal holiday, we can't celebrate it then. By celebrate it, I mean not work. Right? So... The first day that we're having it nationwide for everybody, it was sort of last year, but they did it last minute. Next Sunday is Juneteenth, but it's being observed on Monday. So we will not have a show on Monday, but don't worry, we've not been canceled. Now, did you see what was canceled?
2: Your, your YouTube
1: channel, Lee, you're a your criminal. So you must be exactly you, right. You must My be YouTube
0: channel for Popular TV, I've had it for years, was unceremoniously dumped last night. It was canceled. And like other people who have interviewed about
2: being canceled, I have no idea why we're canceled, Rod. I don't know what we said. D- do you have any idea? Uh, no,
1: I wouldn't. I mean, I can guess it's probably, you know, we have been talking critical about it's pride, you know, quote unquote pride month and uh, all these drag drag queen story times and these uh, pride events where they're grown men are sh- shaking their Nike bodies in front of children. So maybe, maybe that's what ticked off the, uh, the liberal establishment at YouTube.
0: But I think there's somebody out there who's been trying to get me canceled and Reporting me every episode. And eventually, you know, if you throw good enough spaghetti against the wall, some of us, and by the way, don't try to rod. But uh, some of it will stick. And they finally took me down. But I am over on Odyssey under Populous TV. And they have a great feature that when you link your accounts, it automatically goes through. And downloads everything from your YouTube account. So all my old stuff is on the Odyssey account. Does that make sense, Rod?
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yes. So all the old stuff is safe and it is on my Odyssey account. Now, what we're not doing yet is streaming to Odyssey. Soon we
2: will be streaming to Odyssey. But I... You know... I would be dumb, and I'm dumb, but I'm not that dumb, to trust
0: YouTube anymore. Do do you know what I'm getting at, Rod? I would be trust, like if I had a business that relied on streaming, I would not recommend anyone choose YouTube as a platform you base that business on, because they can
2: shut you down with no explanation any time. You see what I'm getting at? Unless, unless you're, like,
1: doing cooking, like, hey, I'm, you know, we're, I'm cooking here, or, you know, I'm barbecuing, or if I'm talking about a specific sport. But as soon as you get anything political or racial or anything like that, I would, you, you're right, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, YouTube would not be the place to talk about it. But if you're very specific, like here, I'm going to, or I'm drawing, like, you know, I'm teaching people how to draw. But as soon as you get any type of, you know, politicization in your conversation, You're putting yourself at the whim at the YouTube team.
0: And let me say that even if you're doing a cooking channel, I would not urge you to do it because YouTube's
2: policies are opaque. I don't know why. And today, cooking is safe.
0: But let's say you're in favor of ketogenic diet, okay? That could be forbidden next month. I'm not saying it's going to be, but do you know what I'm getting at, Rod? Any veganism could be forbidden on YouTube. I have no idea what they're doing. Or high-fat food. Pick something in cooking.
2: Or they might say that you're culturally appropriating if you talk about German
0: food and you're not German or something. I, I have no idea what the rules are. So even if someone's doing something apparently innocuous about music or about cooking or anything else, I wouldn't urge
2: anyone to base their business on YouTube. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100% Lee, 100%. And and it's I I wish it were
0: just about Politics, because that's at least conceivable. But when the COVID stuff hit, you saw people getting taken down for opinions on medical stuff. And I don't know what's going to. You know what else they do on YouTube? I was watching a video today. Apparently, you
2: can be demonetized if you mention death. Have you heard that? No, that's new to me.
1: That's So you're saying if I'm talking about just whatever, you know, you know my favorite bubble gum. But if I'm, you know, I talk about death in that conversation, that could be demonetized. Well, well,
0: I, I heard somebody, it was a video, it was a very good video on entertainment produced by cults. And a lot of it's fascinating, really fascinating. But they were talking about Jim Jones... Remember Jonestown in the 1970s in Guyana where they drank the Kool-Aid? Yeah,
1: and Congressman Jackie Spear was there, yeah.
0: The guy had to be careful to not say Jim Jones murdered people
2: because apparently that can get you demonetized on YouTube. Wow, that's – <laughs> okay. I hear you yeah, know. that's – I see what you're saying now, but yeah, that's so that's
1: so stupid.
0: Right. And some stuff, like even talk about suicide or something, even if you're saying, you know, uh, Chris Cornell from Soundgarden committed suicide, which I think is pretty well established, or Robin Williams, because it's triggering. You're not supposed to do that either. So I'm off of YouTube. I- I'm still going to keep up channels but I'm going to make my primary
2: focus other networks because I'm not insane. And that's the only thing
0: I can do. And already Fault Lines, the morning show here, they used to be hosted by my son Shane and it's now hosted by Manel Chan and Jamal Thomas. Uh, I used to say that because I'm proud of my son. But uh, he has nothing to do with it, but he was over there and I, I like my son. So that show, they lost their YouTube feed, what, about three months ago, right?
1: Yeah, about that. Yeah, about that sounds right.
2: Yes. And again, I don't know
0: what they were doing. We've had Jamal and Manil on the show. They're both pleasant people. So I don't know what YouTube is doing taking
2: that show down. But they – there have been so many stories about people getting
0: demonetized or taken down completely that
2: avoid YouTube. And I say that as an old-school YouTube user. I was using YouTube before YouTube was bought by Google the story, rod of being at the party
0: the, the, remember youtube was started by a couple of guys and it was a it was a new silicon valley startup and then youtube took it over do you remember that at all
1: yeah it was four guys who lived uh, above a pizzeria something like that and uh, yes. yeah, i remember that i remember that yeah i remember it clear i remember using YouTube when I was still in high school and upload a video from my cell phone. It would take like uh, 15, you know, depending on the internet speed, but, you know, like 15 minutes.
0: Yes. And this is 2007-ish. And what happened, 2008 or so. And so what happened was the, they, the guys bought, Google bought YouTube. And those four guys were suddenly millionaires. Are billionaires remember that from living above a pizza place to billionaires right
1: yeah one of them actually bought a pizza with with bitcoin and uh i think well not now but maybe a couple months ago that 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 pie of pizza cost like three hundred thousand dollars or something in bitcoin
2: now uh so i was at the party for youtube being bought I was invited because I did, do you remember Obama girl? Uh, barely. There was a, a girl, Amber,
0: who did some videos singing about Obama. She was a good looking girl and very nice too. Amber was very nice. And I had done some work with that company that had done political videos. I didn't work on those. I worked on other videos with them. So I was—they were early YouTube stars, and they invited me to that party. And that is a party where I've talked about this before. Do you remember what happened there,
1: Rod? Trivia quiz. No, I don't. I never heard the story, so this, this is new to me.
2: That's where Hammer. I'm
0: calling him Hammer, but I'm so old school that I call him.
2: MC Hammer, originally. Remember when he went from MC Hammer to just Hammer? (laughs) Yeah, I remember
0: that, yeah. He no longer needed the MC. It was at a party up in San Francisco, and Hammer was at the party, and Hammer hugged
2: me. And that was a pretty proud moment of my life, because here's how old school I am with Hammer. How many white people do you know who can mention they put me in the mix as an MC Hammer song? Not many. For a lot a lot of white people, they all know it's an MC Hammer word,
0: but it started with Can't Touch This, right? But I was listening to Hammer before that, and they put me in the mix and stuff like that.
2: So – For me to get hugged by hammer at a party. And it was one of those. Have have you ever had someone like a celebrity just automatically hug you? Uh, I've had people before they made it to celebrity status. So, yeah, I've I've had uh,
1: like models, stuff like that. you know, like I said, I've been around a lot of uh, athletes who ended up making it to the to the majors, major leagues, professional okay. sports. So I've been around these people, yeah.
0: And, you know, you just say hi. You're just saying hi. And they pull you in for a hug. You know, that hug handshake thing. I've had two people do it. Celebrities. Sinbad. Sinbad I knew a bit. And I ran into Sinbad at an event a couple of years later. And I said hi to Sinbad, and he recognized me. And Sinbad, have you ever seen Sinbad in real life?
1: Sinbad's like 6'6", six, six or something like that.
0: Yeah, he's a big dude. And I, you've seen me in real life. I, I wouldn't say I'm a midget like Ben Shapiro, but I'm not tall. I'm 5'8". Some would call me a midget, but I'm too fat to be a midget. So picture Sinbad. You're right, he's like 6'6". Six, six. And when Sinbad pulls you in for a hug, you're going. Do you know what I mean?
1: yeah I, yeah I know what you're saying, Lee. But he's also he's also a great com- a great comedian as well
0: he, and 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 Sinbad's a very nice, very smart guy, and i some I knew him because we were both into high tech, and he liked the video show that I worked on. and uh I got to know Sinbad a little bit. And had some good conversation with Sinbad, who's one of those guys. He's a celebrity. He isn't... As a celebrity, you don't need to know anything but whatever you can do. Tell jokes, dance, whatever. But he actually knows tech. And so he's a bright guy and funny and very nice guy. But Hammer and Sinbad both did that thing to me where they pulled me in for a hug. And with with Hammer... I was just like, okay, this is happening, that's cool. So I was at the YouTube party, and do you know was there? And this is a reference to really test your old school internet cred. Ready,
2: Rod? If I say the Chocolate Rain guy was there, does that mean anything to you? Uh, oh, oh,
1: I'm, I'm trying so hard. I can kind of, I can kind of remember it a little bit. It's a song, right? This guy has a song.
0: He did a song and it was this kind of nerdy looking guy who had a very deep voice and sang a song called Chocolate Rain, which went viral.
2: Oh, also at the same party, uh, Soldier Boy Get 'em showed me his bling. That
0: thing happened, Rod. Mm-hmm. I, I saw Soldier Boy and he was there. And for some reason, he just started showing me the rings that he had and his jewelry. And he was saying, "Look at my bling."
2: <laughs> so that says something about my brush for celebrity. There we go.
0: 2025211320. Peter, you're on. Lee, how are you doing?
3: Yeah, Peter from Chicago.
0: Yes, welcome. What's on your mind? Are you thinking about Charles
3: Boy's bling? No, I'm so. I feel very bad what happened with your YouTube channel. And one thing I wanna say, well, we're trying to to give a different names and explanation everything was going on, especially the last five, maybe ten years. It finally somebody's gotta start t- talking about this is a fascism, man. This is what I think. Everything, all the the propaganda is going on, especially with the Russia gate stuff. This country is already under fascism. This is it. And all those dark, dark clouds are start moving to Western so-called world. This is it.
0: I'm, yeah, I'm not that really emotionally broken up. I think it's, in a weird way for me, it's sad because, again, I'm an old school YouTube person. And uh, so it's sad that I'm having... Do you know what I'm saying, Rod? I, I'm not angry even. It's just sort of like, yeah. Okay. Bummer. But I, I, are you surprised in any way by our YouTube channel getting taken down, a Rod?
1: Um, I don't say this to be like I wanted it to happen, but I'm, I'm saying it to the. I'm surprised that it, it didn't happen sooner, Lee. I'm surprised they let it. They let you uh, broadcast uh, shows from here Radio Sputnik, uh, The, the backstory and uh, your other. You know, you used to do late night uh, shows and stuff like that. I'm surprised they let you go this long, honestly, Lee.
0: Yes. And and good point, Peter. Thanks for the call. And this is a wider point that I want to make. About the era we're living in. We're in an era where everybody knows there's censorship. But looking on the bright side... I have other places I can go. And furthermore, are you seeing the narrative breakdown down on Ukraine, on the Biden administration? The narrative is bending so far, it's breaking. And let's play the first clip quick before we go to a break and bring in our guests from Center for Immigration Studies. This is Don Lemon from CNN asking a simple question. I'm going to get her name wrong. What? what Corinne. Is, is, Corinne, Corinne, G- Corinne Jean-Pierre, right? Yeah.
1: Corinne Jean-Pierre, yeah.
0: Yes. And let's hear him ask a question that's a rather somber question. He's not overhyping it. And listen to her reaction. She reacts like a nervous college student. Am I right, Rod?
1: 100%. You're right. That's like, that, that would be the perfect... Uh... Explanation of, of her of the, her reaction to this. I was thinking of, of summarizing how she reacted to this, but yeah, that would be, be like a college kid being caught with an exam or
0: something like that. And let's just done. Lemons, perfectly reasonable and somber, non-hypey, non-accusatory question. Hit it.
4: Does the president have the stamina, physically and mentally, do you think, to continue on even after 2024? Don-
5: Question. Oh my gosh, he's the president of the United States. You know, he. I can't even keep up with it. We just got back from New Mexico. We just got back um, from California. Uh, That is, uh, that is not a question that we should be even asking. Just look at the work that he does. Look what he's how he's delivering uh, for the American public. Look that what that 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 article that we're talking about is hearsay. It's salacious. That's not what we care about. We care about. How are we going to deliver for the American people? How are we going to make their lives better? That's what the President talks about. That is his focus, uh, and that's where we're going to continue uh, to to focus on.
0: That is not a good press secretary. I'm sorry. She's not good at the, her job. It's an obvious question that anyone who's seen Biden make speeches and anyone who's experiencing the Biden administration policy. Obviously, and and Rod, how old – I forget the exact number. When Biden runs in 2024, I think he'll be 413 years old. Am I right?
1: I think, I think 86, I believe. 86 or 84. I just read it the, the other day. 86 or 84, one, one of those.
0: And 86 or 84 is close enough to 413. You might as well round it off. That's – and anyone who's alive is doing pretty well and counts their blessings at eighty six just for being alive, right? that's that's you've made it. You win something. But asking if he has the stamina and her response is, "Oh no, no, We don't ask that kind of question. what? and And giggling, that's why I said nervous college student. That's embarrassing, press secretary. Right, Rod?
1: Yeah, 100%. Lee. Uh, she's a little bit better, uh, nicer to look at than Jen Psaki, um, but she's even might even be dumber than Jen Psaki. So.
0: Yes. And and so let's take a break. We have Todd Benjamin, Benjamin from Center for Immigration Studies, up after this break, and Rod will be chuckling. About the press secretary through the break on the backstory. Back on the backstory, and the backstory is on the radio in the Empire of Lies at 105.5 FM and AM 1390. Joining us right now from the Center for Immigration Studies, the only slash leading think tank that deals with the subject of immigration from a realistic point of view and as opposed to illegal immigration, Todd Benjamin. Hey, Todd. How you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for coming on. So we want to talk about an issue that you're talking about over on the CIS.org website, and people can read it, but did you hear l- – let me allow you a chance, if you want to take it, to make fun of Joe Biden. Did you hear his press secretary before you came on the clip we played – Yes. Uh,
6: Well, I mean, listen, uh, how do you answer that? Uh, The guy is just obviously missing a couple of uh, electrodes. So, I mean, you got to laugh your way through that and just get through it any way you can. I think it's just really obvious that there's a power vacuum up there, and a lot of people are taking advantage of it.
0: Yes, and and we pointed out that we're going to talk about immigration, but I think it's a fair – analogy that in terms of the country's inflation, we are obviously underreporting how bad inflation is. They're saying it's 8.6% or something now. But have you noticed your gas price has gone up more than 8.6% or food prices? Just in your day-to-day life, we are underreporting bad news. And I would say there's nowhere where the media and the White House is underreporting bad news than on the issue of immigration. Would you agree with me? The immigration problem is far worse than the media lets on.
6: Well, w- where we are is in uh, deep historic territory in the American experience. Uh, never has the United States had so many illegal entries at the southern border in so short a time. And we're talking about, you know, an estimated three million attempts uh, to cross that border, many, many of them successful. A million and a half people in the last 12, 13 months have been resettled as a reward for illegal entry over that southern border. And bust and uh, flown to cities across the country, and <clears throat> that doesn't the million and a half are just the ones we know about. There are probably about another seven hundred and fifty thousand that have been, that are known gotaways, meaning people that that the border patrol suspects cross because they saw footprints in the sand or whatever. Nobody got caught there. That are also inside the country. Uh, there's no deportation anymore. They ended deportation as we've always known it. and we are you know conducting immigration at the southern border in an extremely extrajudicial fashion. There's no authorities anywhere in the law for the things that they are doing to let people in and uh, reward people for coming in. And so the numbers are just astounding. We've just, again, I mean, if you go down to the border and look at what's happening, uh, you can't even believe it. The people just pouring across in huge numbers all day, all night. And then within 72 hours, they're on buses all day and all night, seven days a week, heading into the interior. It's a conveyor belt nonstop conveyor belt ever expanding conveyor belt and it's just going to get worse
0: and Todd you're you're someone who watches this every day but imagine you're a regular person a, a you know person with a job a family kids in school whatever if you were watching mainstream media like, with the exception of Fox News if you're watching CNN reading the new york times reading the washington post what would you think is going on with immigration what would be your experience of it as a regular person
6: yeah it would be like oh you know there's some kind of a thing again happening down at the border uh, that border that crazy border but uh you wouldn't really get the impression i don't think from the daily coverage the media coverage of the historic nature of it the just the vastness of the numbers, the diversity of the numbers, the the criminality uh, in the numbers, uh, there just uh, there there is no record that we have and for illegal immigration that has not been broken in a single year, by far. So I think that's the part that is lost on a lot of uh, maybe half of the public. I I do think that conservative media does a pretty good job of covering the uh, border crisis the Washington Post and the New York Times do parachute in on this and they'll write uh, pieces about it I mean they they're not totally ignoring it but it's it's definitely not spotlighted as the raging burning crisis that it is I mean certainly nothing like Ukraine
0: and they're parts of the border I I'd say to some extent, every city. I'm up in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We see the effects here. I happened to be in the courtroom uh, last week, and I saw a number of people. They had to get a translator for a number of people who were there. And so, even in a city like Sioux Falls, you see it somewhat. But am I right in thinking, in some cities on the border? Like Texas, in some cities, you can on you cannot avoid it. You you're literally seeing the effects every day as it as the nose on your face. Am I right in thinking that, Todd?
6: Yeah, I mean it's it's true that uh, what they say, you know, the old saw that every state is a border state because you know they don't stay here in texas i'm i'm talking to you from texas they don't stay in arizona they they get on buses and planes and they fly to every big city and small town in the country they're they're moving into the interior and most of them are moving on this presumption that they are going to claim asylum at some point but hardly any of them in a year or two will be actually legal Legally here anymore. There'll be nobody's going to get asylum. They're economic migrants, and so, so this this million and a half that we've let in so far, plus seven hundred and fifty thousand, you know, it's just going to be two million illegal immigrants living in your city. The crisis now is characterized by children, uh, families with children. So most of those hundreds and hundreds of thousands, and then millions uh, that are being let in, are, are with you know young children and school age children. So the first place that your typical American is going to see this is in their school district. You're going to have to buy portable classrooms, for example. You're going to have to have <clears throat> bond elections. Uh, you're going to have to find ESL teachers, English is a second language. Uh, it's going to, your taxes are going to go up. Everything's going to go up. You're going to have overcrowding and your quality of education is going to get thumbed down to the lowest common denominator of whoever's in your class. You know, a lot of these kids have never been to school before, even in their native countries, they can't even speak English. So you're, I mean, these are the kind of problems that you're going to see right away. And then you've got, you know, the healthcare system and your emergency room and, um, you know, your uh, your homeless populations and your soup kitchens and your local welfare uh, roles and your housing costs. And, I mean, you'll see – you should be able to see apartments that are just, you know, have 20 people jammed inside and um, things – like, and crime. You're going to have public safety uh, issues, and that's kind of – that's why, uh, you know, illegal immigration, like, at this level, of this, like, magnitude, actually matters to people. This is bread and butter – Stuff and it's it's really going to drive I think the midterm elections toward uh, the Republicans. I mean it's a terrible way to have to to do that for that to have to to happen. Republicans, you know, capturing way more seats than they normally would have. But this issue is really animating the uh, Republican side of the aisle, and the, on the Democratic side of the aisle, they're downplaying it, so they're going to be ambushed like they were when Trump was elected on this issue.
0: And and Todd, get ready, because is gonna be a stupid question. I'm warning you ahead of time. Prepare yourself. <laughs> and am I wrong in thinking that the Biden administration, if they do focus on it, they'll focus on a lack of bilingual drag queens to work with children.
4: <laughs> well,
0: I wouldn't
6: be surprised if, you know, there's all this uh, listen, um well, you know one of the big questions that they ask at the border right now you know, when they're thinking about deporting them is, you know, are you gay or do you have any, or, you know, what's your, do you have gender uh, specific issues that you're having? And if you, if the answer is yes, you get in.
0: And so. No, I, I, um, wait, wait, that's not a joke. You're serious. Yeah, I'm serious. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and then, so the
6: thing is there is that uh, remember the old mash uh, show with Max Klinger, who is always trying to get out of the army, you know? Yes. I kind of, I always make the joke that we've got all these Max Klingers coming across, uh, you know, but whatever, I'm just, I'm kind of kidding about that, but, but they do ask that question, you know, do you fear on the basis of your uh, gender or uh, sexual preference uh, problems if we were to return you to Mexico? And of course you're going to say yes to that, of course.
0: Now, as someone who likes making stupid jokes, let me point out, we've hit a point where I can't make jokes stupider than Biden administration policy, than stuff that's actually going on. And it's frightening to me that I can't think of something too absurd.
2: Does that make sense, Todd? Sure. Do you feel my pain? Yeah, I do.
0: (laughs) And it's... And th- I made this point many times before. This is not a partisan issue. In fact, I would argue that the Democrats who want more entitlements for people, who want free education and free health care, for instance, immigration affects their policies more because you can't pay for everybody. Right, Todd? This should not be a partisan issue. But it is. Well-
6: it never really was uh, up until recently. Listen, the Democratic Party, the, the policies that are that are in place, there be, <laughs> excuse me, the policies that are being that have been put in now are coming from a very, very radical, far left uh, origin. Nothing like these policies: end of deportation, end of detention, total open borders. Uh, you know that no no. I mean all of that is our policies that the regular democratic party would never ever and has never countenanced these things that are going on right now are bizarre in relation to where the democratic party has ever been before on immigration so so you're right uh, you know this is Uh, And I don't know if it's ever going to correct itself, but somehow we handed the keys to these very far-left extremists uh, and they took them and ran. And next thing you know is we had no deportation anymore of criminals, of the worst kind of criminals.
0: Now, Todd, I mentioned you have a great piece over at CIS.org, the Center for Immigration Society's website. You're talking about the migrant caravan at the border. now tell us what you learned about the migrant caravan
6: oh this is just uh you know uh, the story really is about uh something that the state of texas did that was really out of the box and strange you know texas governor greg abbott has been under pressure from his right wing and really from his constituents in texas to really just take matters into his own hands at the border because Texas is really ground zero, the epicenter for this thing. So, you know, he's got $4 billion spent. Uh, we got the National Guard and Texas DPS down there, Lo- Operation Lone Star. And those weren't really having that great of an effect, to be honest. So he came up with this this idea to do truck safety inspections really, really slowly at all the international bridges, the biggest uh, trade routes into America for Mexico Mexican goods uh, and anywhere in the country. And he shut these bridges down in April until he forced the Mexican governments, the state governments, to come to the table and agree to shut down the migration. And he took these, he took these um, agreements— Uh, security agreements and said, listen, if you don't follow through, we're going to shut your bridges down again. So this caravan that's coming through, uh, the Mexicans let them go, gave them all documents, and they headed for the Texas border. And Greg Abbott said, hey, remember these agreements? You're going to shut those people down. And the state governments have been just kicking their butts all up and down the border it's it's a very unusual thing that you could have a state governor force another country to shut down illegal immigration at the border. Now he's not going to stop it completely, but the piece that I wrote is on the CIS.org website is describing what's happening right now today with all of those caravanners, thousands and thousands. They can't get to the border. They he leveraged the state of Cohuila to invade all the bus stations in the state and root out all the migrants and push, pull them off the buses and shut the buses down so that they can't get to the border. You got roadblocks everywhere, and uh, you know I, I, I'm just pointing out that this is really something unusual and different for a state, a state governor to do.
0: And let's talk about the politics in Texas for one second. I brought up that it's a, a nonpartisan issue and that Democrats historically have been on the side of limiting immigration because they do want entitlements. But also, I'm gonna make a statement this is a non racial issue. We had in Texas a heavily Hispanic district that was overwhelmingly Democratic, right? And who did they vote in in the in the primary last night in Texas? What happened in this heavily Hispanic, heavily Democratic, heavily pro Hillary Clinton district? What happened there?
6: That's right. Uh, they it went red, and that's not the first time. In the 2020 elections, those precincts down there, they're all Mexican-American predominantly, and they've always been blue, always in memory. Those districts have been blue, and for the first time in 2020, they went red, or some of them didn't quite go red, but they they came very, very close so that we know they're going to go red next time, and the reason is because— Well, it's multifaceted. I mean, some of it's economic, but, but, you know, they were watching the Democrats and Antifa go anti-police and abolish ICE and anti-border patrol, abolish border patrol. And, you know, a lot of those families have border patrol and ICE agents in their families. They make their living from the federal – these federal jobs – Sixty uh, percent of all Border Patrol agents, maybe more, I think, are uh, Latino. And the, the, those people did not appreciate the abolish ICE and all of the vile, disgusting names that were being called on Border Patrol and ICE for that whole year of 2020, you know, all those riots and everything uh, and and the presidential candidates talking about we're going to get rid of ICE, we're going to get rid of Border Patrol, we're going to open it all up. And these are law and order uh, people who did – they immigrated the legal way, the right way, and they waited their turn and paid their dues and went through the tests and got their citizenship and they did things the right way and they – They Really, they just can't stand to see all these people just rush in and just shortcut to the same prize that they had to suffer for. They hate it. They'll tell you that.
0: So so ironically, how much of an issue do you think immigration was? You talked about the crime issue, but the economics of immigration, how much of that do you think was a factor? You know, I
6: think the— The economic arguments that used to characterize the debates over immigration are long gone. Uh, I mean, they're they're just they're faded. I'm not saying they're completely gone. You know about uh, you know do they like I'll give you a great example. You know Bernie Sanders, you know the left uh, Democratic socialist as he calls himself was for right up until 2016 was a guy who opposed illegal immigration stridently uh, and said so all the time uh, because it drove down wages. And he realized about 2016 that, you know, that was out of fashion. He couldn't get anywhere with that. So he had to dump that position. That had been his position for decades. Uh, So, you know, all of them, have have used to have these economic arguments, and now the arguments are about you know um, sort of more morality plays and virtue plays about race and equity and equality and civil rights. You know, all uh, immigration is a civil rights issue now. Uh, it's all kind of shifted to these culture war uh, framings, if that makes sense. And you you do hear occasionally uh, people talk about well you know this is really driving down wages and uh, we 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 have a labor shortage right now why don't we just like figure out a way to keep all these people this is good you know they'll there's you know they're paying taxes uh, so there is still some of that but you know I think that that in this in these election cycles that we're in uh, those are not playing. They're not playing. They're too complicated.
0: And, Todd, do you think Republicans have really learned the lesson, even from yesterday's election? Do you think they're pro—let me rephrase that. Do you think they're anti-illegal immigration enough as a party? Or do you think Republicans should really be pushing this? this do you think this issue is a winner for Republicans, in other words? Todd? Yeah. I, well, I study the uh,
6: polling— I read a lot of the polling, and if Republicans are not paying attention to this, they're just going to lose. They have to pay attention to this. The Democrats are, uh, by and large, not paying attention to the polling. Immigration, what's happening at the border, illegal immigration at the border, is persistently, consistently among the top five issues in the nation, right up there with inflation and the economy, uh, for For most Republicans, it's lower for obviously for Democrats because their media downplays it, so they don't really know what's happening. but on the Republican side, this thing is way up there. It's number one or number two all the time and if if Republicans take congress uh, you know control the both chambers or even one of the chambers. And these candidates don't follow through with the hardest core action that they can come up with. They're going to lose their seats. People are fed up with this thing going on at the border, according to the polling. So they better pay attention. And it's not, it's not strictly economics. It's national security and it's uh, public safety. And for some people, it's you know culture and language and things like that. But I think for the most part, it's sovereignty
0: and todd benjamin let's leave it there great close great conversation thanks so much for being on with us the center for immigration studies website again is cis.org and you can check out todd's work there todd thanks so much let's take a short break and we'll be back talking about another billion for ukraine that's what the biden administration announced today more money more missiles we'll talk about it after this on the back story back telling the truth in the empire of lies this is a show that brings you the truth behind the headlines i'm investigative journalist lee stranahan and this is let me try to do his low voice as low voices jason and carmine do the backstory when i did it it was just creepy i sounded like an orc or something right rod
1: admit it, it was creepy <laughs> It sounded like a whole other person, so uh, you know, it sounded like you, there's another guy in there with, with, you, with you, so it
0: uh, was a yes. good impression. <laughs> I'm sad about that. But Great Appearance by Todd Bensman and we cover immigration issues because I, I don't know what else to say. It, it's so ignored by the media, and it's such an important issue, and immigration affects every other issue. We talked about that with Mark Corian last week,
1: but obviously you agree. Right, Rod? Yeah, and it just shows the insanity of the Biden administration. Uh, You know, hey, are you, are you gay? Oh, okay, well, we'll then we got to let you in because you're gay, and, you know, you might face persecution back in your home country. You know, like, how stupid is that? Like, You know what I mean? Like, what the, I mean, you, like you said, you can just think of the craziest thing, and it's probably true with this administration.
0: Yeah, or, or, or you have a gender issue that you've developed since I asked you the question. But... Uh, you, it's beyond parody so we're waiting for bilingual drag queen
1: destroy our day makes sense Rod yeah no that's that's coming too no no I, I don't actually I, I don't think that's coming that's that's the, you, you see you see they don't push they they don't they don't push certain boundaries why don't they go to a mosque and try that you understand well, why don't they you know why don't they go into a uh, Hispanic community and try this because they know what'll well, happen.
0: Well let me talk about the rest of the show, then I'll tell you a story about that, actually. So this hour we got Daniel Czar and we're gonna be talking about politics, including these elections yesterday and foreign policy with Daniel. That's this hour on the backstory. So here's my story, Rod. I knew a guy who was Muslim back in D.C., Ishmael, and he's been on the show before. He was one of the people convicted after 9-11. He he belonged to a mosque in Virginia there where a couple of the hijackers on 9-11 attended. And Ishmael was connected with the Muslim American political community. So he told me about one day the the Democrats came in for a meeting with major
2: Muslim American groups. And they told them, we want to work with you, but you need to get
0: behind us on feminist issues and gay rights issues. They said that to these prominent Muslim American organizations. Who basically looked at them and said,
2: do you know anything about our religion? We're not going to get with you on those issues.
0: Respect our diversity, basically, they said. So the Democrats have done that. And they were shocked that the Muslims would not go along with them on gay rights issues. They were shocked. He told me the
2: Democrat they sent in was singing at the table sputtering. Can you picture that, Rod? Oh yeah, I can definitely picture
1: that, Lee. I can definitely picture that. But I'm but I was saying, uh, I'm just saying, um, and that's interesting as well. But I'm just saying, you see, you still see till this day they don't try it. So even even though that's through the political sense, socially in any major city, I I well I haven't seen it because I would know, you know, because there would be a backlash. Whether it be in New York or Philly, they don't they don't try it. They they know that they know that they know their boundaries.
0: Yeah, right. No, good, good point. Let's go to our friend Owl Killer, 202-521-1320. Hello, killer of owls. What is on your mind?
5: Hey, all well, you gotta I wonder what happens if you say that you're a transgender Ukrainian drag queen. You probably get flown uh, first question or even got across the border.
0: Ready? Here, you have set me up for a good joke. I think it's good anyway. It makes me laugh. Say that again, Al Keller. Repeat what you just said.
5: I wonder what happens if you say that you're a transgender Ukrainian drag queen.
0: The to answer is they make you president. So what is there? Yeah, you amend the Constitution for that. No, they they make a video of you. You've seen the, the drag queen Zelensky video.
5: Oh, yeah. that That's
0: what I was talking about the other day. He
5: like, he's got a lot of stuff in his, uh, his past that I'm sure is being held against him, or maybe
6: that's how he rose to the top.
0: Now, I, I'm, I'm not saying anything. I, I'm on the record as being a fan of Vladimir Putin, and my fandom is based on his policies and the fact that I think he's a straight shooter who cares about his country's people. But just culturally, can you picture Vladimir Putin ever in a video for any reason like that, ever, as a joke, as a skit? Not even close – you know, the
5: only people that you could picture are is is the West. Hey, how many uh, –
0: and, and do you West- know what – let me just say one point. The reason I think you wouldn't see Putin is because it's not serious. It's not a serious thing. Even – it's not a homophobic comment. You wouldn't see Vladimir Putin in a clown costume with big floppy shoes either. Do you know what I'm getting out of Killer? Does that make sense? Okay, well, let's see if we can get Al Killer back because we don't want to air. But, Rod, do you agree that the guys in Russia, Sergey Lavrov is another guy you wouldn't see in drag doing a dance. Lavrov, Shoiku, Putin, they're all serious, competent people. And when we look at the people in the Biden administration, to the Minister of Truth, that sings like Julie Andrews for the week she's in that position, or the press secretary, or even any of them, I I don't see competence. Rod, am I missing confidence?
1: No, I'm with you, Lee. But this is just this is a continuation. This is of uh, the Obama administration because uh, if you remember, and this made a lot of this made a lot of Black Americans, especially Black men, upset when. Newsweek put Barack Obama on the cover with a with a rainbow halo and called him the first gay president, and he didn't say anything. He he didn't respond. He didn't say, hey, that's uncalled for. This send the third. He let it stand, and then here we are, you know, uh, how many years later, 14 years later.
0: And uh, Am I wrong in saying that Donald Trump was their first les- lesbian president? Have you seen the pictures with his wife? I'm just saying maybe. Maybe he is. But why not? If you're saying somebody's something, the first, some, can we say Biden is the first Lithuanian president? He's not. But why not say something? Apparently saying what people are, Biden's the first legally brain-dead president. Is that fair,
2: Rod? I think that's very fair. There you go. Has we got Owl got Killer back? Owl Killer.
0: Come back. Is he still online? Okay, good. So then he knows to call back. But we hope he calls back because Al Keller hadn't made his point. I diverted him with super joke, as I'm known to do. This general competence issue, Rod, is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. We don't, because here's the thing a lot of people feel Biden is not really running a show. Am I right? People suspect that Biden is not the person who's really running things.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. Even people who you know never really pay attention to politics or anybody who just got to this country, they they, they chuckle when they talk about President Biden because it's like that guy's not the president; he's just figurehead for whoever's behind him uh, with the, holding the puppet strings.
0: Well, I wish they'd fill in who they think is behind him, because. That means that getting rid of Biden doesn't solve the problem. I think Biden is, first off, a lot more responsible than people realize. He had a nearly 50-year career in Congress, and he's been working with Ukrainians for 40 years. They don't see how much Biden—I'm not saying it's altogether there, but he set up the system that we have. Now, we have one of the other people behind it, a lot of this, John Kerry. What's this clip, clip from, Rod?
1: This da, is da, da. John This is John Kerry explaining how by 2035, and this is through the Biden administration that he said he's proud of, that we will stop making gas cars and we're only making electrical vehicles.
0: Now, is even Elon, Elon Musk saying that? No, I've never
1: heard him say nothing, anything like that.
0: And I'm fine. If that happens, I'm fine. But the, the, the technology has to advance to that point. You can't just wave a wand and expect it to happen magically. I think electric cars are cool, but they're just not there yet. Does that make sense, Rod?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, how many electric vehicle mechanics do you have? Or, you know, so if you're trying to get the whole country on electrical vehicles, how would that demand meet be met by uh, the updates and upkeep? You know what I mean?
0: And speaking of Elon Musk, listen and this clip. And you notice that Tesla's the company not mentioned, right, Rod?
1: Yeah, I I did notice that part, yeah.
0: Okay, so listen up when he talks about this. John Kerry talking about electric cars in our future. Hit it. President Biden has made a very significant commitment for the United States to be, first of all, power sector carbon-free by 2035. By 2035, to only be producing electric vehicles in the United States, which General Motors and Ford and others manufacturing have bought into. And they're now spending hundreds of millions of dollars to retool their plants in order to uh, produce those vehicles. And no mention of Tesla. And I've only come to appreciate Tesla more uh, since the must have been in the news. I've watched a lot of interviews with him, He's innovated. He talks about the Tesla vehicles, even if you look at the advances that he made in the self driving car thing, which is a very tough problem for AI. And let me mention one thing. Did you see the AI story about the Google engineer who's been suspended by Google for saying that the AI chat program he was working on developed sentience? Did you see that, Rod?
1: Yeah, that's. um, uh, I can't. I don't know why I can't think of what uh, the Terminator with the Starlink, right? Is that what it was called? Starlink. That was the whole thing. It became. It became aware.
0: Yes, and this thing. No, he doesn't understand it.
1: Well. That's that's kind of how the movie. That's kind of how the movie went. Like like you know he's trying to let people know like hey these thing's become aware and they're like no 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 <laughs> they try to shut the the black man down like no 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 don't don't say anything.
0: And what they're saying is just type in Google AI in the nearest web browser, or have the computer type it for you, or type whatever it wants to learn about. But if you type in Google AI, you'll see the story. This is a really freaky story on a deep level. In fact. I was kind of thinking, I mentioned my son Shane earlier. I might like to get him on to talk about this because Shane knows a lot about machine learning and stuff like that. But I'm afraid that if we sent the email to him, it might not get to him because it might realize what we're talking about and then not tell Shane. But this story is freaky and part of the reason is they say no 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 it's not sentience it's just practicing pattern recognition well that's what human thought is
2: human thought is pattern recognition that's a pretty good definition of it does that sound good yeah 100 a- yeah
1: 100 it was, it was uh, just a correction it was uh, skynet skynet
0: yeah no that that's right For the sci-fi buffs out there, I mean speculative fiction. Because sci-fi buffs get freaked out if you call them sci-fi buff. They prefer the term because it's snotty and hoity-toity. Speculative fiction. I've learned that over the years as a nerd. So, 202-521-1320. Owl Killer, you're back. And I wanted to interrupt you with a stupid joke. Go ahead, Owl Killer.
5: Well, I'm gonna make one anyway. You know, people that are that want, they say that until they get uh, where John Connor. But on, on a serious note, I'm glad you brought up. Wait, wait, um, wait, wait!
0: You you he, broke up completely there. So I caught John Connor, and that's it. But try to get it
2: again. I'll All
5: right. So can you are you hearing me good now? Yeah. Okay, so people that want to defund police—they're all for it until they get pulled over by the 1000 asking them if they know where uh, John Connor is. So be careful what you wish for. That, that's the last joke. But um, there you go. On, on a on a much more serious note, I'm glad you brought up John. Connor's piece. Um, to him talking about once again 2030, 20, 2035 20, again. So last night Doug Crossnut's put it on talking about how um the the big uh, financial capital, the investment capital, which is pretty much you can't get anything done in a country without investment have to have to away from um, investing in um, in oil. And you, basically, if you want to do oil exploration in this country, you cannot get a loan uh, at the moment. And I, it just reminded me back with um, during the riots, during the uh, George Floyd uh, protest. do you remember all the companies um that had that um said that they were going to go they were moving they wanted to go towards green investment that had nothing to do with George Floyd but that was one of their new um talking everything was going to go toward carbon neutral nike um amazon all pretty much any any big com- company want, wanted to be carbon neutral G- people need to get in their head carbon neutral means people neutral okay you, we were talking about Zelensky earlier. I, I, he does have kids. Name one European Union leader. Uh, Ukraine's on the EU. Name one European Union leader that has children. There's not one. The, it, it doesn't matter how crazy it sounds. These people are anti-human. It, it's it's a new religion. It's, this, this global warming cult is no different than the, the priest class saying, if you don't give me— uh, you know, if you don't protect your crop or your firstborn son, Ugabuka is going to eat the sun because he knows an eclipse is coming. All this, this is a religion. It's just as much religion as any other religion is. And they're running the world, they're running the financial sector. This, I, you, the country is done. Like, we are. we are-
0: Al Killer. I got to move on only because you you have a better connection today. But please call back tomorrow. We'd love hearing from you. Owl color, 1320 Tarif, you're on the line. What's on your mind?
3: Thank you, uh, Lee. Thank you, Lee. First, I'd like to say, Free on and Sandra. I have two comments. First comment is this: My um, 2,500 Ukrainian forces in the Donbass region been surrounded of rich twenty five percent of them are foreign foreign mercenaries, from what I understand, British and um yeah some American um, um 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 mercenaries too among them. So what's gonna happen is when they get captured, you might have a sentence of six hundred people getting a death penalty or a life sentence in a dumb bass region. That's My a good point, com- Tarifa
0: and I'll I'll ask Rod a question about that afterwards, but keep going. Very good point.
3: My second comment uh, by listening to different uh, speculations and analysts going out on out there, it seemed like this is going to tie into another. Co- excuse me. Okay, Zelensky and his general is getting in, is getting into it right now. The rumor is from speculation, what people is talking about on uh, Telegram or whatever that they might have a coup a coup attempt or to to knock out Zelensky, and once they knock out Zelensky, then they might the general staff might a themselves with hook up with russia if they do that then all the little schemes that the um the um, nato was doing would be crushed in the narrative of the western hemisphere of the western glo- um, globalists would be basically destroyed because everybody in the world would see that because remember how they push ukraine to the forefront front at the u.n if ukraine flip and goes towards russia after a coup attempt against Zelensky, then everything be lost. Then, it, And also the general staff probably going to want to stop the invasion of Polish troops going into the West, taking more Ukrainian land. So it's a possibility that's out there. It's a speculating. I'm seeing it more and more. The first time I saw it was two months ago. Now a lot of people starting to talk about it, that people are sick and tired of Zelensky in um, Ukraine, especially in Western Ukraine. They want them out. That's my um, comment for today. Thank you.
0: Well, also, cl- clearly... Biden is a little sick of Zelensky. He's come out and publicly thrown him on a bus. And what's going on in the latest, in the Russian-Ukrainian conflict is the media in the West is focused on what's going on in central Donetsk and that part of Donetsk.
2: That's all they're talking about. They're not talking about the shelling of civilians that... We've had John Mark Dugan talk about. But
0: Donetsk is being shelled by Ukrainian military forces who's purely attacking civilians. They're firing into civilian areas with no military value. And we had Mark Sloboda talk about that yesterday. Nowhere is that in the media. Whereas I saw the funniest headline today.
2: Newsweek said, don't be fooled, Putin is losing in Ukraine, and it's sick, but I I talked about before, the headline this morning
0: is that the United States has pledged another billion dollars towards getting weaponry to Ukraine,
2: and Ukraine's going to use that on civilians, you saw another billion going to them, right? Right, Rod?
1: Yeah, that's why I put it as the title today. You know, uh, Lil Wayne had a song called A Milli A Milli, you know, for a million dollars. And uh, Joe Biden's a billy. You know, he just gives out billions like they're candy.
0: And I, let me point out that I have never met Lil Wayne. So, sure, him or soldier boy get him, but never Lil Wayne. So, Lil, you know, I didn't say that. We were talking about brave calling and i asked him about Nasdaq's and i didn't call him little because i feel a 56 year old white man who's had a stroke should not say little does that make sense rod
1: <laughs> yeah i know what you're saying lee
0: <laughs> it, it it's a it's a right it's a white way to pronounce but coming up after this short break let's talk to daniel czar and bring more intelligence to show as opposed to me saying little next on the backstory back on the radio in the empire of lies 105.5 fm am 1390 and we're if nothing we have journalistic integrity here and we have to issue a correction in the break my lovely girlfriend danny came over and told me that i was
2: saying it wrong Is not soldier boy get him it's tell him is that right rod That's That's
1: true. Danny's 100 percent right, so we got to give a credit for that. I, I was just you know, I'll just let you go with it, because I, 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 th- I thought he had a song, and that's how the song went, but it's been a while so, but yeah, that's right. the soldier boy tell him, that's right.
0: And in my defense, and I guarantee you, I'm the only person on Sputnik to say the following sentence this week. I must have misread his bling. Nobody else has said that. probably in the history of the world, but I'm blaming his bling. Because it was very sparkly, and I couldn't read all of it. And did say some stuff. I was I was standing there at this YouTube party, wondering why this guy thought, he somehow he'd taken a look at me and said, I need to tell this guy about my bling. And it was very confusing to me. So I was a little confused by it. But soldier boy, tell him. And I guess I've now told him. So joining us now, a guy who shouldn't have to listen to this in his intro, because he's too smart for it, Daniel Zarr How you doing, Daniel? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for joining us. Now, I know you'll raise the IQ of the show about 50 points more. I've had it recently. So what did you make of the elections that we had in various states yesterday? What is a lesson that Democrats should have learned, but I can safely say they did not. Daniel? Oh, well, there was um, there was a uh, Mayra um Flores' big win in uh,
4: in South Texas against the Democratic incumbent uh Dan Sanchez, and I think that what t- what that tells the Democrats are are two things. One is that, you know, they can't count on Hispanics voting Democratic forever and ever, for one thing. And for another, it means that uh, that, that, that Texas is, uh, is tipping uh, redder, than, redder than ever, and uh, Democrats are, are, are
0: losing. Now, do you think that, to some extent, is D- Democrats' fault by focusing more on identity politics issues then bread and butter issues and the economy. What say you, Daniel? Well, the the, the
4: economy is a total mess, and Democrats have totally screwed it up. But yeah, I think the, I think identity politics is a disaster, a total disaster. Everybody hates them, except for like you know a five percent minority composed of you know graduate students in uh in uh the top fifty universities. They're crazy about it. But otherwise, uh, identity politics is a disaster. It's universally despised. It's a joke. Uh, and and that fact that Democrats have latched onto it so strongly just goes to show how far they have their head up there. You know what?
0: Yes, and I can't say it because I swore once in the show already. Now, Daniel, uh, explain— a lot of people, when they talk about this, particularly if they're a Republican, would refer to identity politics as a leftist thing. And that's true in the sense a lot of the politicians who are most in favor of identity politics identify as the left of the Democratic Party. Would you agree with that? Yes. But
4: you got to bear one thing in mind. There is no left in America. I mean, Boris Johnson is to the left of uh, of, of Joe Biden, okay? So um, the American spectrum is so far right that what we call the left would be embarrassing, embarrassingly retrograde even by the British Tories, Tory party's standards in number one. So number two... There's a, a certain crazed liberal element, which is really right of center, pro-Hillary, um, which has latched on to this. And why it's latched on it? Because they play the affirmative action game. And that game is getting more and more poisonous. But essentially, they they feel that they, uh, they've they got to hold on to affirmative action and hold on to those small number of people who have benefited from affirmative action or think they stand to benefit.
0: Now i'm seeing the media start to get more realistic about the ukrainian-russian war they're being dragged kicking and screaming into it but the military situation is becoming so obvious they don't seem to have the heart to lie about it i'm not seeing for instance u.s and british media say explicitly russia's losing they can't quite bring themselves to say russia's winning but they talk about it in veiled terms. Do you think that that is an example of what's happening about the economy and other things, where some people we saw the New York Times over the weekend have a major story talking about how some Democrats are suggesting Biden might not be the candidate in 2024, which seems to me to be you you a, a rare I don't want to call it realistic position, but they're not happy about it. What do you see as the state of the narrative, Daniel? Well, I, I think you're right. I think there's, a, there's an amazing lack of realism uh, and
4: unwillingness to face reality because reality is so painful. Um, I mean, whether we're talking about the, uh, the you know the 2024 presidential race or or what's happening in Ukraine right now, it's not going well from a from Washington's perspective, first of all, Russia is winning. Um, Russia is is using this this uh, this this artillery barrage to just completely smash uh, the uh, the Ukrainians. Uh, they've they've uh, they're they've taken Severo Don, Donetsk. They're about to take Lizzie Chan. uh and uh, and the and they're 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 outgunning the. The uh, the Ukrainians by five or six to one, and it's going very badly. Uh, and uh, and NATO was running out of ammunition, you know, to replace the ammo that they, the Ukraine has already used up. Um, so the, so so the U.S. could put itself on a war footing, and you know and you know and, and, and make like it was you know 1942, and you know and turn you know and turn car companies into armament factories. But you know that's not going to happen because Americans aren't invested in this war that way. So, um, so therefore, uh, America is losing. And frankly, if, if America loses this war, I mean that is a really mo- a momentous occur- occurrence. I mean Joe Biden stakes everything on this war, and if and if if, if, if um, Putin wins. I mean, the blow to American
0: prestige, the blow to NATO will be astounding. And do you think they've made a mistake, a possible—I'm not—I was starting to not explain well. But let me make the case this way. They've demonized Vladimir Putin so much. He's a monster. He's Hitler. And I think they've overplayed their hand, where after Russia is in charge, they control 20 percent of Ukraine now. And you're not seeing uh, genocide. You're not seeing camps filled with civilians. Have they set the bar so low for Putin that if he is not Hitler, if he is not the biggest monster ever, it makes him look good? In other words, what they've asked for is this standard. They've set the bar so low, is what I'm trying to get at, that's going to end up Helping Putin look good, Daniel. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, first of all, I mean, I mean,
4: Joe Biden. I mean, his behavior from the moment he took office was astonishing. I mean, somebody called Putin a killer, and you know, I mean, I mean, what kind of language is that? What kind of language is that for anybody trying to sort of work out a peaceful solution? I mean, Joe Biden was confrontational in the extreme, so he finally got his confrontation, and now he's losing. That's the that's the big that's the the bottom line, um, and and yeah, I mean, and, no, Putin was never the the great Satan. America America made him out to be not by a mile. I mean, he was you know he's a he's a writer of politician. He's a he's a strong man, an authoritarian. And he's kind of a neo-Tsar, and it's kind of really fascinating how Russia seems to need a neo-Tsar. I'm not excusing it, but it's kind of amazing how this historical trope keeps re- reasserting itself. But you know, but, um, but the, but the, the, the crazy you know, demonization, you know, vilification that the U.S. engaged in was completely unreal. And um, and it, it, the U.S. has created a catastrophe. I mean, first of all, I mean, what it's doing to the global economy is, is extraordinary. And, uh, and ironically, uh, Russia is, is probably benefiting on the whole, or at least not suffering all that severely from the sanctions that were supposed to bring him to his knees, and the West is hurting a lot more and the third world of course is just you know it's just taking it on the chin
0: and it seems to me that russia is also getting to the point where they're saying we're going to withdraw russia is going to withdraw from some of these european markets russia's prepared they basically take the attitude if you want to sanction us fine if you're not going to deal with oil, fine. We won't sell you our oil. And I think that's going to have severe consequences for Europe. And Putin, despite his reputation uh, in the West, one of the criticisms of Putin in Russia, and I think this is true if you look at him, he's actually, Putin likes Europe. He's a guy who culturally likes Europe. Have you, have you noticed that, Daniel? He spent
4: uh, he spent much of his you know much of his career in Germany, and apparently was very fond
0: of the place. And and so have you noticed Russia's just not playing anymore, and that they're, they're going to withdraw? They, they're like, if you want us sanction that's fine, we withdraw. And that's going to make things tougher on Europe, I think. What do you think, Daniel? Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I think I think
4: in Europe, I think in America too. But I think Europe, Europe even more so is just like, you know, it's heading, it's heading for a huge political explosion. I mean, the people don't like this. I mean, the war is go, going badly, and, and people punish their governments when, they, when their governments you know, lose wars, number one. And number two, the economy is dreadful, and, and no one can quite understand that, you know, how they got in that position. No one can quite understand what the problem with Nord Stream 2 was. I mean, this is the, this is a big issue. I mean, Nord Stream 2 was a perfectly innocent gas pipeline that was going to give you know Europe, Northern Europe mainly, what it needed, which was a reasonably priced uh, and completely reliable source of natural gas, and it wasn't going to allow Russia to influence uh, you know European politics to its benefit. Uh, you know, there, there was no danger of that. I mean, first of all, Nord Stream 1 had been in operation since 2010, and Russia had not used, it, used that in that way. And in fact, Russia's conduct of, you know, operation of Nord Stream 1 was totally businesslike, totally satisfactory from the point of view of its customers. And so, you know, so the whole thing makes no sense. So now Germany. Loses the supply of natural gas. Its energy prices are shooting for the roof. Its industry is going to take a major hit. It's facing recession. The entire globe is facing recession. and uh, and and you know, and whereas I can't say the war caused it, there's no doubt the war has greatly aggravated it.
0: Now, Daniel, I've learned in talking to you over the, the months that you're capable of discussing stuff in detail but also addressing a big picture. So let me ask you a broad question. Now, the U S has focused a lot on democracy and almost, you can hear a heart play when ready already talk about democracy. You, you know what I'm saying? They talk about this vaunted term. So I'm going to ask you a broad question. What's the reality about America and democracy, the concept of democracy? How do you see the U.S. relationship to this concept of democracy? Highly tenuous.
4: <laughs> I mean, the U.S. is not a democracy. I mean, U.S. Yes, it's a democracy in some ways. I mean, here I am. I'm criticizing, you know, the U.S. to my heart's content, and I have no no fear whatsoever of cops breaking down my door, you know, and 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 beating me to a pulp and then hauling me off to a concentration camp. I'm not at all worried about that. So yes, in that way. America is democracy. Yes, we have elections. Yes, we have a free press in general, kind of, sort of. Um, you know, and and uh, you know, but and we have other civil liberties that are very important as well, even though they're under attack. But America is not a democracy because its system is completely falling apart, and it's falling apart not because it's too democratic. It's falling apart because it's not democratic enough. Um, I mean, democracy means one person, one vote. It means majority rules. And the uh, and the, um, the 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 system we have now give, violates one person, one vote. You know, half a dozen times over. Uh, number two gives huge power to minorities to bottle up legislation. Uh, you know, to completely frustrate the democratic will. Uh, And there's nothing that people can do about it. Because they're stuck with this 235-year-old plan of government, which states in the age of, you know, silk uh, knee stockings and, and wooden teeth, and they can't update it, they can't democratize it, they can't do anything about it. So they're stuck with this completely destructive, constrictive, suffocating system, And the fact of the country that the system can't even respond in an adequate fashion to an atrocity like Uvalde or, or, or Buffalo is amazing. I mean, any other country would have taken very swift and comprehensive action to deal with this problem. But the US is completely incapable of doing it. And, then, and when, they, when, they, when a country can't respond to an emergency like that, where there are mass shootings happening virtually every day, when it's completely paralyzed, then that's when you know that a political system is in serious trouble.
0: Well, and Daniel, you pointed out correctly that you're not worried about secret police coming and knocking down on your door. But I would argue that you're also, and I think you'll agree, you're not in any fear of the New York Times or the Washington Post, or CNN knocking down your door with, with a lucrative contract, right? Right. right. And, and
2: I... Yeah,
4: yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the press, you know, the, the press is in the hands of these giant corporations, which, you know, are so, are such lapdogs for the ruling class. It's astonishing.
0: And, and I've thought for a while, the sort of post-consumerist trick of democracy that we have is we have the illusion of choice. If you have 99 choices, but they all lead to exactly the same conclusion, how is that choice? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, you know, in, in New York, for
4: example, in presidential elections, my vote doesn't count. I mean, you know, New York is a one party state. So therefore, you know, uh, I have as much choice as I would have in, uh, in Cuba. Uh, you know, uh, to, you know, when it comes to you know, comes to Congress, I mean, what is the what is the incumbent reelection rate? I mean, like 95%. I mean, that's not a choice. I mean, when you have that kind of when it's engineered in that kind of self-serving way, that's not a real that's not a democratic choice. Uh, you know, it's just a, you know, and, and you know, your your body's like this, like the Supreme Court. I mean, um, uh, Amy Amy Comey uh, Barrett. Barrett, Will go will could uh, go on handing down decisions well into the 2060s thanks to modern medicine with zero accountability to the to the electorate. Now, how is that thing democratic? And by the way, no other country has a have, has a lifetime Supreme Court. You know, so you know how is that democratic? Um, and, uh, you know, and the Supreme Court, you know, can, can tear up all kinds of civil liberties, do away with abortion, can, you know, they're about to loosen the, the, the gun laws, you know, even more in, in New York State, which is complete madness, because we're already suffering from a major crime wave, uh, you know, so, so and, but yet the people have no control. There's nothing that people can do. They're, they're they're on a they're on a a, a a runaway train that's you know that's that's careening downhill out of control.
0: And I would like to point out that even if you say not not you Daniel but if people say well it is free if you have 99 choices and they all do the same thing and voters pick them invariably people we have no effective choice. And even though we're free to p- vote for anybody, the propaganda machine is so effective in this country. and i how much of the American propaganda machine do you put down personally to the effect of Madison Avenue and the effect of advertising? They have literally it's it's a science. How much of that consumerist Propaganda. We we talk about the Biden administration has focus groups now. That's very dangerous, I think. What do you think, Daniel? Yeah, and the um, and the uh, the January 9th committee hired a uh, a TV producer
4: to uh, to run their hearings. I mean, this kind of like no, this kind of like no show business takeover of politics is really dangerous. And Joe Biden goes on, he goes on Jimmy Kimmel. You know, I, I mean this. We, what we have is we have this uh, this uh, this uh, CIA news entertainment complex, which is you know which is the place that the military-industrial complex of, uh, of Eisenhower's day, and it's absolutely paralyzing, and it's stupefying. And we have like no idiotic movies like uh, like a Top Gun two Maverick, you know, which are you know which are all about the glory, of you know, how wonderful it is to blow to blow Iran up, you know, feeding them with the worst kinds of, you know, of kinds of you know, fantasies of America. I mean, uh, it, it's, it's, it's really quite discouraging. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a sign of a society which is just like, you know, incapable of addressing a, a growing list of problems in any kind of halfway intelligent
0: way. And... I see that as hitting the rocks lately where the the reality is so bad that they, they can't deny it, but they don't really address it. And do you think we have a problem in this country of not addressing the real issues, not our politicians? I, it's easy to blame them. It's easy to say Biden won't address the real issues. I'm talking about the citizens. The citizens don't want to address the real issues. Yeah, well, I think they, they don't want to because everything discourages them from
4: doing it. I mean, uh, they, they figure that politics is hopeless, so they give up. You know, all they do is like you know, is like, you know, go to the multiplex and, and hope they have enough money to fuel up their car and uh, you know, and uh, and try to, you know, put food table because table uh, you know, despite inflation. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, Americans are courage. Americans they don't feel that, that government listens to them. I mean, many studies and polls have showed this. They don't feel that government listens to them. They don't feel that government uh, is able to tackle uh, the, the problems uh, besetting America. They don't believe that the, that, the, that the really deep disputes, which are dividing American society, they don't believe those, are, those can be really over. Therefore, the country is heading for some kind of breakdown. No one knows what, but some kind of breakdown. They're very pessimistic. Um, and, and their pessimism means that they have no choice but to focus on, you know, on everyday affairs. But the, the more infl- I mean, inflation is the wild card, the, the higher inflation goes, the more explosive the mood will become.
0: And how much of a problem do you think the education system in the country is? And I'm talking about the focus of the education system. Well, just give any general comments on that before I go on about it.
4: I mean, it's, it's, it's okay. I'm, I'm not one of these people who are always going on and on about the, uh, how awful American education is. I mean, I mean, I saw one article that said that you know that that Mass that the Massachusetts public schools are every bit as good as the Finnish public schools, and Finland is a famously well educated country. Uh, I think I think public education is really uneven. It's very good in some states. I mean, I have kids in the public school system. it's uh, it's very good in some states. It's really poor in others it's really bad in Texas, for example. Um, uh, uh, and um you know, and then kids from you know affluent suburbs with good school get a get an okay education. They go and go on to college and they, they do okay in America has a has a highly productive middle class which has invented all kinds of neat stuff like you know like computers and iPhones, et cetera. Uh, so so some learning is getting through, clearly. Uh, um, but it's the the problem is the inequities are huge. Uh, you know, there are vast areas where the public schools are really crummy, uh, inner cities where they're really appalling. Uh, so you know, basically, if you're in the middle class, you're doing okay. Education was
0: well. So, so let me make the argument that I think a big problem. I'm talking wide, and and not about some specific issue, but that the education system is focused. On people who want to achieve consensus and not the right answer. In other words, there's a tendency in education system, particularly at the higher levels, on validating consensus opinion and not coming up with the truth. And that's why I think we see in politics so much focus on consensus and even and, and why we have a political class who can't focus on the obvious problems you you brought up, such as the economy. And they're they're, they're go go ahead, Daniel.
4: I, I agree, but I, I would just put the political system first. And I think the education is, is the educational system uh, is reflective of that. It flows with the political structure. Yeah I mean <clears throat> America, as you know, Lee I'm sorry, excuse me, America has a lot of bright people in it, right? There are lots of smart people in this country. So how is it that these only the stupidest people wind up in Congress or the White House? right? I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, how is it we wound up with Joe Biden or Donald Trump? I mean we have so many smart people in this country, you know, so many thoughtful, intellectual, serious, scholarly people. I mean, how did we wind up with with these two guys?
0: I agree, and the people in the administration. And I think part of it is the problem is the the market for becoming a wage earner. If you want to make money, some people, like Nancy Pelosi, make millions. But others, if they can go into politics— or some
2: other field of law, they'll probably make more money as a corporate lawyer, right? That's the safer money. And I, th- I think, I don't think our system
0: incentivizes people to go into politics, and so they don't. What do you say, Daniel? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean. I mean... <laughs> Yes, I mean people are not incentivized to go into politics. I mean
4: politics is a really rough game, uh and uh and you got to play really dirty to win in it. Uh you know, and uh and and what for? It's easier, easier to be a corporate lawyer. But the people who do make it in politics usually wind up feathering their nest pretty good.
0: Yes. And and that's what I think there's there's hardly any uh, working middle class in politics. There's no group of people who are in it because they want to be good citizens and make society better, and they're willing to make 150000 a year or something like that. Do you see what I'm getting at? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Do you, do you know, by the way, there are blue-collar workers in the British Parliament. There are make truck what? drivers. There are just people who are truck drivers who get elected to the British parliament. Most of them, most of them on the labor ticket, but there are actually blue collar workers who sit in parliament. I mean, in America, every Senate, you know, virtually they're all, they're all millionaires, but there actually are ordinary blue collar union members who sit in the British
0: parliament. No good point. And do you think we need more of that in America? Uh, Obviously. Totally. I mean, why should Congress be a millionaires club? And and you know, like you said, the people who make the money, like Nancy Pelosi made, I forget, a hundred million last year. It's like they won the lottery. And so you have people at the high end and then people who are indicted. And that's it. There's no middle ground. Daniel, great conversation. Tell people you can find your newest piece, You're writing, over at weeklyworker.co.uk. Did I get that right?
4: That is correct. I have an, I have an article called uh, Guns, Class, and Social Decay uh, in the current issue of uh, the Weekly Worker, Weeklyworker.worker.co.uk. Very easy to find.
0: And Daniel, always a pleasure to talk to you. You make the audience smart. Thank you so much for your conversation. Daniel Zar, everyone. And thanks so much to Todd Benzman from CIS.org. And thanks to all our great callers. We'll be back tomorrow on The Backstory.